Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast for pharmacists by pharmacists, where we discuss current events, relevant topics and emerging issues. I am your host, Carleen McMore, and together with the AJP, I am bringing you the opinions and expertise of different pharmacists to discuss their views and insights on topics relevant to pharmacists. Please like, rate and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. Today we're talking about career progression, some of the opportunities that exist for interviews and unpaid work experience, what personally motivates some pharmacists, the importance of mentors, the importance of associations, conferences and taking challenges. Is your career going how you expected it to progress? Listen in to hear from several pharmacists about how their careers have progressed and any advice that they have for you. Elise Apolloni discusses internships and learning from several people, the benefits of having a support network and giving back to the profession. She also talks about career counselling and her journey. She also mentions early career pharmacy and balancing the learning you have with reality and taking chances and what hinders progress. She shares on what pharmacy is, what you make it and knowing yourself and your limitations and changing jobs and careers. It's a bit of both. I really enjoy the recency of learning for an intern and that helps me as well stay clinically current. I think I enjoy seeing them grow. I do like teaching, but as at the same time, I'm probably not the best teacher. I think that it's the combination of all our pharmacists that make for a good learning environment. I can often, you know, be doing a million things at once, as can a lot of our other pharmacists, but I think we each um, share different pearls of wisdom throughout intern years that create um, a really robust support network around our interns. I do like seeing, I do like celebrating when they're passing their exams and helping them when they're in those stressful times beforehand and, you know, brings it all back for yourself. (laughs) You remember the same, that you remember that when you were the day before your oral exam and, you know, how you thought the world is literally going to fall in on you but I think it's just a really nice way to give back to the profession and I think we all have an obligation particularly if um, ourselves as you know as individuals we didn't have the intern year that we'd hoped for or you know we wish that there was something else about our intern year that um, could have eventuated that we make sure that we give that opportunity to the interns that we then take on. I had a pretty good intern year I was pretty lucky but I think there's always um, things that we can do to expand the experience um, and learning for that pivotal year to make the best next generation of pharmacists that we possibly can. Yes, I've been a very lucky early career pharmacist. I'm approaching the end of my early career pharmacist life in the next couple of years, depending on which year you count it from, I suppose. Um, Early career pharmacists are amazing. You know, we come straight out of uni, we're passionate, we learn cool things when we're at school. And then sometimes the world doesn't really match our expectations when we leave. I think if you can harness that passion early and get people involved early, they have unlimited potential to contribute to the profession. And I've seen it time and time again when you do give people the opportunity to work to their maximum ability as early as they can safely. I think it's important to get involved early as well because your career does go very quickly. I'm eight years in already and I can't even believe that it's been that long. (laughs) Um, And before you know it, it'll be over and you'll be 40 years in and you'll realise that perhaps you should start not working full-time anymore or start stepping back a little bit. Although I don't really know what retirement would look like to me. I'm not sure that I ever will do that. But 
irrespective, the point is if you can contribute, contribute early because the opportunities aren't always there, um, jump on every chance. And I think early career pharmacists don't always do that and it's a real shame because I think we miss out on a lot of great people who could contribute to the profession because they wait thinking that they're not right or they're not experienced enough. People change professions every day and some people change from being a pharmacist to another profession or some people change from another profession to being a pharmacist. We have a pharmacist or an intern pharmacist at work right now who has changed a, a lifelong profession really to become a pharmacist and I think that it's really what you make it. I think almost any job could be made tolerable with the right attitude but also the fact that it, it is an important it is important that you take the time to really sit back and work out what's going to make you tick. And for some people, it's not to do with work. For some people, it's, you know, their physical fitness or it is the time that they can spend in their garden or this, this, or time that they're with friends and family. And for some people, it's getting enormous fulfil fulfilment from their everyday job because that's what makes them tick. And if you are one of those people, it's important to identify it early and then identify what makes it okay what makes your job okay and for me it makes it okay when I feel like I'm being throwing new challenges all the time when I get the chance to go out of the four walls of the pharmacy and try new things and and really push my comfort zone and so I think yeah you just need to know yourself uh, which isn't always <laughs> easier said than done for some people but you know when you know yourself and your own limits I think that makes it a bit easier to know if the profession's going to be one for you or not. And if you're a few years in, it's okay to change. I mean, we're in a generation now, millennials will change jobs many, many times potentially. And even if we do stay in the role of a pharmacist, our job will evolve many, many times in the next 50 years. So just being, brace yourself, being ready for that. <laughs> and hopefully we'll be the generation that pushes our profession forward for all the right reasons. It's good to have a diversity of interests. I mean, I think if you do the same thing long enough, no matter what your career or vacation, it's going to be vocation. Sorry, it's going to be tiresome. So I think it's important to mix it up if you can. This is quite a funny story. I don't know if you've ever heard it. <laughs> so in Year Ten in Canberra, we have to do work experience, and I decided I wanted to do my work experience in a video store for my career. <laughs> because I thought I might get a casual job in a video store afterwards. Goodness me, I'm grateful <laughs> for my careers counsellor. Who I don't even remember her name is the worst bit, but she was probably one of the most profound people in my early life. So she said that I wasn't allowed to go to the video store for my career sort of week and I had to go to a medical centre or a pharmacy because I was quite strong in maths and science. And so I begrudgingly accepted the pharmacy my local capital chemist because they sold gifts and I thought that that could be a fun casual job as well and so I went and did placement there and for the first couple of days I kind of was finding my feet and it was fun I, I did like it I feel that I picked it up and um, I was offered a casual job once every Tuesday from 5 to 8 p.m. after that I quit my job at Big W and then I just started working at the pharmacy and then it occurred to me maybe a year later when I was putting in my preferences for subjects for year 11 and then again deciding what to do at uni that maybe I really did want to be a pharmacist maybe I didn't want to be a doctor maybe I didn't want to work at a video store maybe that was my calling and so I made the very brave decision um, when I was in year 12 that I would put my first preference as pharmacy 
even though that meant moving away from my parents and my family when I was 17 years old and my then boyfriend. And yeah, I put on my big girl pants and <laughs> I moved to Wagga when I got in. So it was, it was very serendipitous. <laughs> I can't believe that they were the two choices <laughs> now that I come to think about it. But medicine was in there too. Um, but pharmacy just really called to me because of the amount of times I'd get to talk to people and the volume of people I'd get to communicate with. I also have a bit of a passion for volcanoes. Don't ask me why. Very strange. Only saw my first volcano a few years ago, so very strange obsession with that. But that was the other thing, was volcanologist. So (laughs) pharmacy won out in the end. (laughs) Bit hard to do that one here in Australia. That is right. And my dad did tell me that. I think he said to me, you know, when I was a teenager, he's like, Elise, you do know there's no active volcanoes in Australia. And I was was like, oh, gosh, that's, gosh, I really probably don't know enough about volcanoes to do any of this job. (laughs) Sandra Menace discusses niche pharmacist roles, looking beyond community and hospital pharmacy and not being stuck in one area and contributing in various ways. She also talks about surrounding yourself with positive, passionate people who can help you in your career. So niche pharmacist roles is something that's quite exciting. I think um, it's really important to look beyond the scope of a community pharmacist or a hospital pharmacist. And as someone that's interested in all areas of pharmacy, um, I yeah, I really enjoy the the idea of niche pharmacist role, um, whether that be um, special specialization in areas that are in, of interest to a pharmacist or um, a focus on a specific service um, as such as HMRs um, and providing uh, input with um, areas such as theatre, um, surgery, and other areas that are just continuing to grow. Uh, I see this as an extremely positive thing and uh, I guess it just reiterates the fact that we're not stuck in one um, in one path and we're not stuck in one um, area such as community and we're not behind the dispensary as pharmacists. We're able to branch out and we're able to contribute to um, the health profession in various ways and just because it's um, a might be seen as a bit of left field at the moment it doesn't mean that it won't be something that's in the future so I I think that niche pharmacist roles are growing expanding and um, you really can take the profession in any direction that you choose as a pharmacist. So I think it's important um, in our situation or as a student I guess I guess with, within any profession, there's always going to be a group of people that are more negative and less passionate um, than, I guess, the next person. And I think the best advice I received is to just um, surround yourself with positive people, surround yourself with people that are passionate and that are going to lift you up and bring you closer to your goals within the profession. And I think that's important, especially from the start of you know, your pharmacy career to make sure that you're surrounded by those that are going to help you um, continue your enthusiasm to, you know, towards the end of your career. Uh, so I think that's really important to yeah, surround yourself with those that instill positivity and inspire you and support you, um, whether that's students, um, pharmacists with 40 years of experience um, or early career pharmacists. Steve Morris gives advice to early career pharmacists and opportunities being not foreseen and careers being long. 
So, so my advice to other career advisors is be less anxious. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've worked in God every possible probably component of pharmacy services, from community to hospital to NGOs and, and beyond. And you, you really experience is just to try and settle yourself down as being a professional. You know, wherever you get that experience, you know, careers are kind of can be pretty long, and the opportunities are often not foreseen. So I think often my experience of talking to you new graduates is they expect this linear pathway of career progression. The first part, I think, of any profession post-graduation is just to really get to grips with what it is to be a healthcare professional and to learn the professional aspect of what you're doing and not be too anxious around trying to immediately seize opportunities within the first couple of years. Those opportunities will arise. And when they arise, it's about taking some of the risks that are involved of taking those opportunities and getting outside your comfort zone. But I think my, my one line of advice would be don't be anxious about your first position post-graduation. It's just part, part of your, your early, early settlement into the profession. Sam Flatt discusses physical disabilities, applying for roles and perceptions of potential employers. He also discusses having an open mind, his personal journey and determination, and shares what he sees going forward after graduating for his career. Okay, so I went to University of Tasmania, uh, graduated Bachelor of Pharmacy in December 2016. Uh, spent most of 2016 the yeah looking for work. The Tasmanian hospital system recruits very early in the university year, so I think it was around April, May. Uh, applications needed to be in, and they interviewed in May and June which was great because that was around exam time as well. So that was a bit more pressure on. Um, so I was doing that as early as I could and also looking for work in community pharmacies as well throughout the year. Um, and then towards the, uh, I guess, September, October, everyone else had something lined up and I still didn't, which was not a terrific feeling. Um, everyone graduated, everyone started work. I still didn't have a job. Um, spent most of that summer... Yeah, stressing out about it at home. Um, ended up deciding that I would move back to Hobart and at least try and volunteer somewhere, anywhere who would be interested in having me, um, give me something to put on my resume and some any kind of foot in the door would be fantastic. Uh, so that's what I ended up doing. Uh, so I spent another year in Hobart kind of as a graduate but not doing my registration year. Um, so I worked in a place called Alcohol and Drug Services in Hobart. Well, not worked, volunteered. Uh, that was really interesting and great. I had a placement there in my fourth year uh, and they were more than happy to have me back in a part-time volunteering capacity. So, yeah, working a lot with opioid pharmacotherapy um, and clients, yeah, kind of starting on that kind of therapy before they were moved on into community to be dosed with methadone, suboxone. Uh, so that was fantastic, and everyone I worked with there was really constructive and supportive. My, I guess you could call boss, gave me a lot of help with writing resumes and applications, everything like that, uh, which was great. Helped me with the next round of applications for the Tasmanian Hospital um, pharmacy intern system. And, yeah, after a while, well, after a long while, <laughs> ended up finding a job in Coburg North through the power of social media, which was great because I was at a loss of what I was going to try next because 
by the time I did end up with this position, I would estimate that I'd applied for 80 positions before being accepted somewhere else. So, yeah, glad it worked out the way it did, but it was definitely a long and arduous journey. Yeah, so (laughs) this is an interesting point, and I obviously can't speak for every potential employer. Uh, There was certainly a mix of responses from different potential employers. Um, I'd always try and be upfront in any application and contact about my physical disability. Um, So that was... That kind of filtered out a lot of people straight up. If they weren't interested from that point, they'd just say they weren't interested in an email or something. I was like, yeah, okay, great. Or I'd go to an interview and the part that confuses me is that they wouldn't say they had a problem. I'd go to the interview... And then after the interview, they say they weren't interested. I'm like, well, why did we have the interview then? We could have told me a lot earlier if that was the case. I'm not saying that's okay, but it would have been nice to kind of know that earlier so I wasn't chasing things that weren't going to go anywhere. Um, But I think, yeah, meeting potential employers who are surprised by the fact that I'm in a wheelchair, well, use a wheelchair, not in it full time, but... Um, yeah, they don't take the kind of 30 seconds it would take to talk to me about how little it would take to change in a workplace for it to work for me. Um, yeah, I think from that point of view, ignorance is probably the best word for it. Um, yeah, just people not bothering to take the time to have a chat about how it could work. And yeah, obviously I can't speak for every employer, um, but that seemed to be a pretty strong trend in my job hunting career yeah so this is the challenging part and it's not something I have an answer for Um, but absolutely people just need to keep an open mind and be willing to have those kinds of conversations as far as talking to potential employees about anything they would need changed if anything at all Um, nothing major and nothing critical that would stop my career kind of thing. Like it's pretty much just any kind of heavy, heavy lifting. Not that we do much at all and anything that's up high. So the patient scripts that we keep on file, that top shelf, there's no way I can get to it. But then some of the other stuff can't either. Like we have to get someone who is tall who can reach it. Um, but outside of that, I yeah, I think I'm, I'm managing all right and it has no major problems so far um yeah i think i i am fortunate in that i'm okay to stand and walk for short distances and periods of time at a time um which makes it a lot easier for me but at the same time it shouldn't be a problem for someone who is permanently wheelchair bound either um yeah there should always be a way around just a matter of figuring out how the good thing about most people who have a physical disability is that they're incredibly adaptable because they've been doing it their whole lives and that's a trait I think I can bring to any workplace that I, yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. It might not be as conventional as everyone else's methods, but I will find a way to get it done. Uh, <laughs> that's an interesting question because I feel I'm still quite jaded about the whole thing. Um, yeah, I there are definitely a lot of times where I was pretty ready to give up but knew that I'd invested 
so much time in this that if I stop now, I mean, what would I do? Like it's something I've been determined to achieve as far as finding a place to do my pre-registration and then becoming a registered pharmacist. Um, so I think, yeah, from that point of view, I didn't want to give up. Possibly, yeah, other people may or may not be so determined, which is, I don't know, where the difference is, I guess. Um, but yeah, I guess being... Um, was perseverant? What's the word? Yeah, perseverant. Um, as far as, yeah, just keep... Pretty much just keep annoying people and hassling potential employers until something comes through the cracks. Um, I was fortunate enough that I was able to use social media as a way to expand my search, and that made a huge difference. Um, that's, yeah, more or less how I ended up finding the position I'm in at the moment. And, yeah, it was a bit of a when it rains it pours kind of thing. I'd gone from having absolutely no offers for about a year, and then suddenly people were actually pretty interested in me which was nice, um, but also really stressful because I had, yeah, suddenly had options and then didn't know what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. And yeah, it was a bit of a sensory overload, I guess you could say. Um, I think definitely the flexibility for work. Um, obviously, yeah, struggling to find intern work, partly because of a disability, I guess you could say. I don't know, if, <laughs> don't know if I can entirely pin it on that, but also, yeah, being a graduate but not registered, um, you're still more or less a student. Whereas, like, once you're actually registered, you can pretty much do whatever you want, which is a really exciting prospect. Um, I'm not sure where my career is going to go. Um, community pharmacy is pretty great at the moment, but who knows what could happen after that. I think, yeah, that's definitely one of the biggest exciting parts about it. Um, also being more flexible with work hours and not having to study on the weekends will be nice. Um, yeah, having the flexibility of working part-time, full-time, locoming, casual, anything like that. Um, and not having the stress of assignments and exams over your shoulder forever. Definitely looking forward to that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's the the freedom that comes after your intern year is probably the, the biggest thing. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast. If you have any comments, questions or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please send an email to ajppodcast at appco.com.au or follow us on Twitter at AJP Podcast.